Well, welcome back. And, you know, I, I get this great opportunity to hang out with the legends uh, of my life and share them with you. And this is the ultimate legend for me. I, um, I used to just consult uh, and I used to just work in a uh, hospital setting and try to do some transformational stuff on customer experience in that environment. And then a friend of mine who happens to be a friend of my guest today as well, Sarah Michelle once said, you know, you can actually make some money speaking. And I thought, no, I can make a hundred dollars if I do speeches every now and again, and somebody buys me lunch and a hundred bucks and I'm a happy guy. Um, and then I got invited to the National Speakers Association event. It was in Colorado. It was a chapter of the National Speakers Association. My very first event that I ever went to where I saw professional speakers. And to my great fortune that day, speaking at the end of the presentation was Scott McCain. And it was life changing. It was one of those moments where you say, gosh, if I could only do that, that would be like the coolest thing in the world. And then there's been a couple of moments in my career where this has happened, where I've dreamed of people that I thought were just amazing. And then somehow I got a chance to either get to know them or work alongside of them. And Scott and I have worked together on stages in the in the past. So I consider that to be the greatest victories of my life. Scott McCain joins me today and I could not be happier. How, how do you feel about that intro? You didn't know you were my hero, did you? You just thought you were some guy that I know. <laughs> Uh, you know, it takes a lot to make me speechless. <laughs> and, uh, I've never seen it happen before. So. Did it. Oh my gosh. Joseph, thank yeah. you. I, 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 I have choked up. I, I, I truly appreciate that. I, more than it, I yeah. Thank if you. it wasn't for you, I'd probably just still be just taking out the trash at my house. That's kind of my, my <laughs> second way. career right there. <laughs> oh, man. So, all right, let's talk about you now. <laughs> I said you, you I would have only sold a million books. <laughs> that, that's right. You know, I got to tell you that that uh, not only was that a transformational moment, because I think what I saw in this guy who is just this Indiana boy who was so incredibly authentic, who could tell a story, who had a technology that would help business leaders. And this was born out of your own life experiences, uh, a technology that could really help business leaders differentiate themselves. And, and you've kind of gone way beyond the word differentiation. Now you talk a lot about distinction. Can you tell me just a little bit about your career, that how you got to meet US presidents and Brazilian presidents and Colonel Sanders and all that by 21. Oh, wow. So uh, yeah, I've got all minute for that. So go yeah, ahead. Well, the, the, the quick version is obviously growing up in a rural community in Southern Indiana, Crothersville, Indiana. Um, I had the chance to get involved in, in a terrific student organization, FFA. At that time, it was Future Farmers of America. Now it's only FFA because of you know the, the changes in agribusiness. And uh, I, that that was what I worked so hard on. And they had speaking contests that I never won, by the way. Um, but it gave me a chance to, to become a state president in Indiana and then later the next year a national officer. And representing FFA and as a national officer of, of that student organization, I had a chance to speak on the lawn of the White House and to have a private meeting with the chairman of General Motors and uh, to, to travel to Brazil and meet the president of Brazil and so many great opportunities. So, you know, that I, I had the, the privilege then, you know, people would say, hey, you know, come to our little meeting and, and talk about, you know, those kinds of experiences. And, and I, I joke that it's, you know, it's the old line about, you know, when you're 22, 23 years old, giving a speech, it's like a dog walking on its hind legs. It doesn't have to be that good. You're just amazed it can. You know, so. <laughs> well, you know, I got to tell you, the weird thing about live streaming is I just don't know how, how likely is it that we would have someone 
who uh, is joining us on live stream today. Oh my today. gosh, look at that. Hey, Stacy, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> There's all, all the entire town now is here. Yes, exactly. Right with us. on the live stream today. <laughs> well, I, you, you used know, to, your parents used to have a, a grocery store, didn't they, yeah. in, uh, in Indiana? And, and that was where so much of everything that I talk about, about the customer experience really started. Um, we had the one grocery store in, in my hometown and we had a big competitor come in down the street and they could always beat us on the price of, uh, you know, a dozen eggs or a, a gallon of milk. And so my dad armed with, you know, a great common sense, but, but not a college degree or, or any business training. Uh, realized it was going to be the relationships that he established and and how he dealt with the, the customers of our store that was going to make a difference. And uh, a few years later, the, the supermarket closed their doors and moved out of town. You don't hear that very often, where the big box is is the one that closes and 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 the local competitor wins. But uh, unbeknownst to me, that that was really the foundation of everything that I learned about how you take care of customers and. And, and, and making it personal and delivering the ultimate customer experience. So it, w- it was just the greatest training and background that, that somebody my age could have, could have received. Now, you, the, the cool part about you, because, I mean, I know a lot of fabulous speakers. They have got great trade craft. They're stage, you know, wizards. You have all that. But, but beyond that, that, that little bit of stuff, um, you also had gone through the, the ranks of actually running businesses. You've been on the boards of businesses. Uh, so there's this credibility thing about you that doesn't come from reading a Harvard Business Review article and then getting up on stage and doing a compelling rendition of the findings, right? Well, that was one of the the, the great discoveries uh, when, when I got involved in businesses was, you know, some of this stuff I was talking about, was, <laughs> it, it looks so good on paper, you know, <laughs> but the, the reality of, you know, how difficult it is to find good people, you know, the, the reality that and it's something that you talk about, Joseph, so, so well, and you've written about it so extensively is that, you know, it, it's that connection that, that we that we hopefully lead our employees to create with our customers. Um, it, it, it's, it's so, so important. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so challenging in a business. And, and, and one of the things that I learned is, you know, for example, you have a, you have a company that builds trailers. Well, you, you get great, you know, you get great trailer people, great experts on, you know, transportation, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they understand what the customer is going to do with that trailer or how they can, you know, deliver that at a, at a, at a higher level and, and, and what the, how you help dealers create better experiences. And so it's, uh, it's Scott, I really wasn't going to go there this quick, but the fact that you brought reference to a trailer, okay. Yeah. A trailer. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I had no idea. Cause I knew, I only knew Scott as a businessman, as a speaker, you know, all these accolades, the, the books he's written. I had no idea he was an actor long before that. And so I want to share with you something because you're going to see in a moment, Scott has not aged a day since 1977. (laughs) Here we go. go. I'm going to show you for those of you who are young, those of you who are young and you have, uh, you don't know who this guy is. uh, Blessings to you. For those of us in my age group, this guy, uh, Siskel, uh, Gene Siskel and and, uh, Roger Ebert were the way we knew whether or not we were going to go see a movie or not. They often didn't agree. They were the only real movie reviewers at the time. And this is what is said of a movie in which 
my guest, Scott McCain, was the villain. Here we go. And I'm not getting the sound on this end, Joseph, so. All right, I, I'm going to actually jump in because I don't know that we do have sound to the listeners because I'm getting that back that no one else is hearing it, though I'm hearing it just perfectly fine in my speakers. Let me kind of give you the nuts and bolts of this. The the gentleman, I got to just, uh, the, now this guy is saying I love the Hawaiian music. They just basically, the, the, the plot that he's described here is that this guy from Germany comes in, he has to have his trailer repossessed. Scott is the guy who's involved in helping get the trailer repossessed. There's some, this, this clip is available online. I'll make sure that we have it afterwards. But the bottom line is now Siskel and Ebert are just raving about how great this movie is, how absolutely, you know, how, how it's completely not gotten the, the credit it deserved. I think it was rated one of the, uh, the best movies um, you know, in the top 50 movies, according to, uh, to Ebert, I think. Yeah. So yeah. Um, let me see if I can I, just get myself out of there. I have not seen that clip. I, I've never seen that. So well, I'm, I'm I will make sure you have it and we'll make sure that the volume actually happens the next time uh, we go for that. So yeah. I will take that out of the stream and uh, life should be okay. Um, sorry about the no sound LinkedIn user, whoever was kind enough to let me know. I thought it was just I thought it was completely Scott just losing, you know, losing his, his not wanting to hear. The only thing that really Scott, the, the, the dark haired guy in the three piece suit was Scott. I didn't recognize you. The voice though, when people do hear it, it will be unmistakable. So. I, I met Roger Ebert um, many years after that. And uh, I, I walked up and, you know, started talking and, you know, he was, he was kind of a reserved guy in person. And, uh, but after a while he went, Oh my gosh, you're the banker. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason now that this is really sad, because now without the sound, people don't understand that my free association wasn't completely crazy. Yeah, repossessing it's selling, trailer, repossessing yeah. a trailer. And you mentioned a trailer <laughs> and I was just trying Perfect to be segue. clever. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't quite work out. All right. Next <laughs> improvise, Joseph. I'm next, uh, uh, Let's get on to the topics. Uh, so professional speaker hall of fame, Corporate educator uh, in residence at uh, at all of a yeah. sudden I can't remember Nino Cobain's High University High Point University High Point yeah. University and sales and marketing Hall of Fame. Uh, these are just some of the extremes of each of the career fields. I mean, the sales and marketing Hall of Fame is like there's only a handful of people who've ever been nominated to it, and it's all these big guru guns. So um, congratulations on all of those things. The books 
that you've written all businesses show business, what customers really want, create distinction, digging wells and building fences, seven tenants of Taxi Terry. I followed you on stage once when you talked about that. All businesses still is still show business, iconic, and now a book that will be coming out in January. Uh, ultimate CX, right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, the ultimate customer experience. So I just got this from the publisher. It's kind of a. Can you just read it to us for the next, the remainder of the? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. you, know, you know, as an author, when when you get that for, that copy and you're holding it in your hands after you've you know put so much time pounding away on the, your computer and researching and everything else, it's such a such a great feeling. So I hope it's I hope it's of value. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a great feeling when you hold it in your hands for the first time and then you go, oh, my gosh, do I have to read it again? <laughs> like, not again. And you see this word that's just so wrong, you know, that you, oh, could have, you know, it's like, oh, it's uh, which is the difference between speaking and writing, isn't it? I mean, if I yeah. when I'm speaking, if I can see in the audience, I'm not really getting through. I can tell another story. I can make the point again. I can adjust. But man, when it's when it's on the page, it's it's there forever. So. All right, we're going to get into the content here. But before that, <laughs> I want to thank Nicole. Who oh, that's not what I wanted to do. I want to thank Jim Fitzpatrick, who uh, oh, Jim. who uh, is a fa favorite of both of ours. I mean, Absolutely. without him, I mean, he's yeah. out there helping small business owners left and right sure with uh, his network in Atlanta and also helping uh, the car industry as well. Uh, so thank you, Jim, for joining this, the live stream today. All right, let's get to the content. So you're you're now big into this, this distinction thing, right? And as I recall, you had like four cornerstones of distinction, the first of which is clarity. Uh, is that still your take on the world of distinction? I, th I think distinction is more important than, than ever because of of what's going on in the world. You know, I mean, it, 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 customers are more discerning about where they're spending in this challenging time. And, and no customer in recorded history has ever said, I love doing business with them. They're exactly like everybody else. <laughs> you know, I mean, if, you're, <laughs> if you're exactly like everybody else, then all you are is a price play. And, and what we have to do is to figure out how we stand out. When you stand out, you earn more. You not only earn more profit, but you earn more respect, you earn more attention, you earn more recognition. And so the organizations that can create distinction, and by that I mean you, you stand out from your competition, you, you have meaningful, I've defined it this way. There's three levels, sameness, where the customer can't tell the difference between you and the competition. Differentiation is where you can point out that this is what we do different. But distinction means that what you do that is unique has traction and meaning for customers in your marketplace. I, I, I hear people say, well, you know, different is better. Well, you know, if I slap every customer in the face, I'm different. <laughs> but but it, it doesn't mean they're going to come back and buy from me. I, I see a lot of it's business. also probably emotional, but uh, not yeah, necessarily yeah, the way exactly, you kind of want to yeah. be, right? Well, I mean, and you see, Joseph, I mean, you, you see. You see these organizations that say, this is how we're different, and it's really not, or it's not something that means anything to the customer, you know, and, and that's what I love about your work. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, in, in, in all of your books, but, you know, the, the Rich Carlton and Starbucks, it's, it's not just what they're doing different from their competitors. It's what they're doing differently that has meaning to customers that, that really adds value, and, and that's that's what that's all about is how do you create that distinction in the marketplace? And, and yeah, the, the first of the four cornerstones is, is clarity. 
Well, and, and this is kind of where, it's, for me, I think right now people are desperately trying to figure this out because I just, um, I'm, I was writing a newsletter this month and I was looking at the Qualtrics data and Qualtrics is one of the big listening posts. They and Medallia and a variety of others do a lot on the net promoter score. Right. And according to Qualtrics in 20 industries, the net promoter score is going down year over year, 2019 to 2020. And these are dramatic changes, particularly for younger demographics. So if net promoter score, as the article suggested, is plummeting, that means that people aren't delivering, engaging, emotionally connecting customer experiences. And so what does it take to differentiate yourself and be one of the ones who bucks the trend? Um, and to get to that, you get, you're doing a you're doing a a summit soon, right? And you're bringing in not only your own thinking but a variety of other really thought leaders in the space, and they are going to be uh, presenting for this distinctions summit. Can you tell me just a little bit about that? I want to make sure that people know how they can learn more about it and what what it entails. I really appreciate you asking. What one of the you know, one of the things I, I came to realize is that folks like you and me have had the privilege of of speaking about our topic about which we're passionate to to the major corporations of the world. I mean, you and I both have a, a blue ribbon client list, but I think about where would my dad at the grocery store have had access to this information? And with what's going on with COVID and and with more programs becoming virtual, I decided to put on a virtual summit that independent financial advisors could attend, that owners of small business could attend to talk about how they create distinction in, in their marketplace. And, and we're going to be talking to some really interesting folks. There's some guests that I haven't announced publicly yet that we've got signed on to be a part of it. But the first one I announced was Sage Steele of ESPN, uh, a longtime friend of mine. And I've, I've seen some of the challenges that that she had as she tried to rise to the top of, of broadcasting and sports broadcasting. And, and how did she create distinction to stand out and earn more in that process? Glenn Morshauer, one of the, the great character actors, he was the Secret Service agent on 24 and in the Transformer movies and, and on and on. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's had a 40-year career in, in show business. Okay, so how do you have consistency and longevity after you've created distinction? And then we're going to have folks, uh, uh, business investors and that. But, but the basis is, is my content on distinction. And it's really a deep dive. It's a two and a half day virtual program that really is going to help everybody put their own blueprint together of how they set themselves apart in the marketplace, going through these four cornerstones. We're going to have hot seats. We're going to have breakouts. We're going to have all different uh, approaches to, to help people create their own roadmap for their respective business about what they do. And, and, and one of those cornerstones, of course, is the customer experience. And, and we're going to be talking deeply about, you know, what, what do what do organizations and individual entrepreneurs and professionals, and, and it's funny to look at the folks that signed up, everything from cosmetic surgeons to dentists to financial advisors to store owners to, and, and gosh, it's, it's just such a privilege to, to take the message to, to those folks that a lot of times in our speaking engagements, you and I haven't had the, the opportunity to deliver to, to that particular type of audience. So let's let's talk a little bit about the some of the things that people are going to take away. So obviously, how do you determine clarity? Like absolutely what clarity is about in the distinction space. What's the next of these kind of cornerstones that you will emphasize throughout the context of what you weave together in the summit? Yeah, and it, the two of them work together because clarity is the first because 
you can't differentiate what you can't define, right? I mean, if I can't explain to you very clearly what my advantages are, then you move on. And and then secondly is creativity. And, and part of what we've gotten wrong, many of us in the past, is we've done this whole think outside the box and we've had these creativity exercises without first grounding ourselves in, in clarity. We have to know who we are first. And then after that, then we create points of innovation and points of creativity. Instead, we've traditionally done it backwards. Let's, you know, let's throw any idea up there. And, and it's, you know, when, when you really look at what it takes in terms of creativity, it's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's not blowing everything up. It's, it's finding one particular point that we become known for. A uh, quick example, um, the Taylor family starting a, a, a rental car business in St. Louis is competing against Hertz and Avis. Zero product variation, right? The Ford is the same, whether you get it from Hertz or Avis or whoever, right? So you, you can't differentiate the product. What do you do? They, they came up with 13 points of contact that the rental car agency would have with a customer said, let's change one. Let's, let's be creative at one. And, and, and you know, the story, uh, the Taylor family named that business enterprise rental car. And they decided they'd bring the car to you rather than making you go get the car. Now, one of the ways that we can be creative, as you well know, Joseph is, is, uh, you, you can look at other industries and say, what if we applied that to our industry? So Jeff Bezos said, well, hey, what if we got you the book rather than making you go to the bookstore? And, and there's a dentist I found in Austin, Texas, that created a, a trailer and put the dental office in the trailer. We're talking a lot, I'm, I'm big into trailers, obviously. We're talking a lot about that. And, and so you make an appointment with the dental office and it pulls up into your cul-de-sac and you walk out of your door into the, so what if we brought the dental office to you? So it's taking that same concept and applying it to your business. So we're going to talk about how that could be creative. The third is communication. And here's where you're the master. I mean, it's, it's, it's narrative. It's we're going to start with a no more complimenting the host well, zone, yeah, starting I, effectively I, I, now, but go I, ahead. Keep going. I'm, I'm all ears. Really. Why I, have you, I mean, I'm, on, on a serious, I mean, why have you killed it in the publishing world? It's because you tell compelling stories that people want to read. And it's why we all have Netflix subscriptions. It is the one facet of communication that is not governed by our gender or generation. We all love stories. Uh, yeah, baby boomers communicate differently than millennials, but the one thing they have in common is we're all story junkies. And what I find is that many businesses, man, we love we love reading books about Starbucks and 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 Ritz Carlton. We love reading about Taxi Terry. We don't know how to create our own story, and we don't know how to communicate our own narrative. Wow, now that's powerful. And I think if I went to the summit and I started to learn how to, you know, call for my own stories, like sometimes. A, they're just all these organic stories that live within the brand and that we need to bring them out and help people Absolutely. understand how they are signature to who we are. But I think in other times, it's like, if this is who we are, how do we make sure we tell stories that reflect it? So it's the art of knowing who you are and, and in, in you know creating that one differentiator uh, and then telling the stories. It, it's, it all fits together so incredibly nicely. You'd think yeah. you'd write a book about it or something. <laughs> Yeah, a couple, in fact. Yeah, a few. <laughs> uh, and then the fourth is is the the area that's so near and dear to both of our hearts, which is the fourth is the customer experience focus. And I, I really take pains to say that 
Um, a, a lot of times we think that means, oh, voice of the customer or those, but it, it's focusing on on what you and I have both written about, which is how, how do we make them feel? What's the emotional connectivity? And and how how do we strengthen that and and leverage that into repeat and referral business? And and what does that mean? You know, I, I, I was speaking to Volkswagen, you know, as as we did. And one of the things that occurred to me is I, I, I got an email afterwards from someone that said, I loved what, what you guys said about the customer experience. And I, I get back home and my boss says, yeah, that's all great. But now just get out there and sell some damn cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Understanding yeah. That that's how you sell some damn cars. You know, that that, that experience that you create. When I first got in the, in the professional speaking business, uh, I worked with a company and they gave me a sales training program. And I went out and taught that sales training program. And one of the lines from that program is service is the first step to the next sale. And I realize now how wrong that is. You know, it's the first step to the first sale. It's, it's the first step before any transaction happens. And, and one of the things that I talk about is that the, the extraordinary businesses transcend transaction. They, they find a way that it's, it's more than the transaction. It is that ongoing experience and relationship. And, and there's the other part. That, that's part of why I wrote my first book, All Businesses, Show Business. Show business creates compelling emotional experiences with the audience. That's what we're about in business, right? I mean, that's, that's what it has to be about because what does it do? It gets referrals. You know, I, I will say to you, gosh, have you seen... You know, this, have you seen Ozark on Netflix? Oh my gosh. It's so, so we get referrals and, and what do we do? It, it prepares you for the sequel, repeat business. I've got to see season two because season one was so great. That's the same thing we're trying to do in business. And, and so that's, that's fascinatingly amazing. And, you know, you think about some of the examples that you give and they're so sound. Like if you take someone like uh, Simon Sinek and start with the why, right? It does Simon Sinek woke up one day and said, I've had a thought that has never been thought before. What if we really started with purpose and then we worked on the what and the how, right? It it wasn't that way at all. There have been people who've written about it over time, but he tweaked it in a way that has made it his own. It is so his, and he tells his narrative supports it, his book title support it. And you read one and you go, I need to have a sequel to that because the experience I have reading him is so incredible. And, and the same is true with the the works that you're doing. So I keep talking about this summit and then I don't tell anybody when it is like, uh, could have happened yesterday. They wouldn't know. <laughs> Sorry, you missed. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Can't sign up now at that distinction yeah. summit thing that we yeah. keep putting on the bottom for you. It's, uh, it's October 16th to 18th. So man, right. I'd, I'd love time. to see everybody there. So October, October 16 to 18, just about the right amount of time to plan to make it happen in my world. Yeah. If you get it too far out, then something comes yeah. up. If it was, you know, if it's tomorrow, I've already been booked. So well, hey, do you remember, I, I know you do remember when in the speaking business, you'd look at your calendar and if it, if it wasn't full six months out, you, you, you were done. Yeah. And, and now six weeks, I mean, yeah. pre COVID is, is nothing, you know, it's so it's, Everything's uh, last minute. 
All right, so let's so we know that you've got this summit. It's coming up August, October 16th to 18th. They can sign up there, get more information on how they can spend time with not only learning from you and your thoughts about distinction, but all these other amazing people you've collected along the way of your journey. Let's let's talk a little bit of, about your journey, if you don't mind. I'm there. There was this time from FFA to um, to success as a speaker that I don't fully know. I mean, I understand. You were out there, you know, shaking hands with politicians and kissing babies. It's a wonder you're not a politician yourself now. Uh, but you had all these these business leader experiences. You had all these political experiences. And I, I'm just curious, is that all FFA related or how did you get some of that? Was it just your initiative to be too stupid to know you couldn't? And so you did. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's, that's, that's about it. Uh, you know, the the. The FFA led to business contacts that led to speaking, and then the speaking led to more business contacts. And then, you know, I, and I, it's it's just the same principle as the customer experience. I mean, if you want to get involved, if you want to learn, and you're sincere and humble, people want to help, and they want you to be a part of that. And so it just kept escalating from there. But you know, as you know, I, I went through a a life change experience and and had to get out of the speaking business for a little while. And when I was going, when I was getting back in, you know, I, I was having trouble and I, I had to figure out how to make my own speaking career in business stand out. And, you know, it was the blinding flash. The obvious is that if, am I, if I'm having this challenge in my own business and if I'm having to research this, and that was one of the other things too, I, I couldn't find a lot of information that was out there about what did it take to be distinctive at what you did. I mean, we, we learn how to do what we do, but we don't learn how to make what we do unique and distinctive. And, and that's what I was looking for, and I couldn't find it. And so the blinding flash, the obvious was, if, if I needed this, what's, what's the chance that other folks are going to need it as well? And, and that's why I started writing about what I was learning about distinction. And, that, and, and in all candor, that's, that's really when my career took off, was providing this information that, that, that people were seeking. So it's one thing to conceptually talk about things like clarity or creativity and, and the like and customer experience. Uh, it's quite another thing to know how to do it. So I think you alluded to that earlier. But what I see in your writings and what I imagine will happen in the summit is that people will get the technologies it takes to get clear. Like you're probably not clear enough. Right? Yeah. And so how do you take that layer down another one in the onion and get to the, get to oh. the point where you're able to, to really communicate effectively about it. You're exactly right. And, and it, it's, it, it's so counterintuitive, right? Because we think the wider that we are, uh, the, well, the more opportunity that we're going to have, but instead we become a generic and, and no one is loyal to a generic, right? I mean, no one brags about buying a generic product. No one says I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally committed to my non, differentiated purchase, right? So it, I'll give you a quick example. I was working with a consultant doing coaching and he was talking about that he, his market was healthcare and, but he, he wasn't getting anything going there. So we, you know, he refined it. Uh, I, I want to do coaching for healthcare professionals that work in hospitals. Wouldn't get much traction. I want to work with healthcare professionals who are doctors or nurses who work in hospitals. When he said, I coach physicians in emergency rooms 
who are undergoing incredible stress because of COVID in their personal and professional lives, his business boomed. Hmm. And, and it's so counterintuitive. We, we think the wider that we are, the more we open ourselves up, but instead we're not known for anything. You know, I mean, if if Lamborghini came out with a $20,000 car uh, thinking, hey, more people would buy Lamborghini, they they not only, the, the people look at the $20,000 car and say, what's wrong with it? And the people that bought their half million dollar car would say, you've diminished the brand. We, we, we have to find our, our specific precise place. And there's a technique, a, a technology that we use to help you narrow that down so that you can really get to what what is precise. Mind share precedes market share. Uh, and I love that. You know, I, people will say, well, you want the Ritz Carlton experience. Can you help me, you know, create the Ritz Carlton experience? I'm like, you are Costco, right? You do not want to do the Ritz Carlton experience. Yes. Your secret sauce is your economic accessibility dimensions. It doesn't have anything to do with nurturing at luxury. And right. and if you, you know, the moment that, that Costco puts somebody in who looks like a concierge at the Ritz-Carlton. It's the moment when people at Costco go, I'm not shopping here anymore because it's obviously going to get too expensive, right? Yes. I mean, there's a certain dance that you always have to, to do. And I think you you are probably as good as anyone in the planet at helping people figure out where that dance should end up for them based on who they are, not who they in fantasy land think they could be, right? I mean, it is... There's something aspirational about it all, but it, it's not beyond your fingertips at a at so far out of reach, right? Growing up on a farm, we used to say, you know, one of the challenges with pigs is pigs don't know they stink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, the, as much as I grew up on a dairy farm, I don't know much about pigs. So, so you're saying a lack of insight about oneself. Wait. Exactly. Makes you onerous to others. We, we don't know what we don't know, right? And and that's where this becomes so important and so critical is that we got to have that outside perspective. And, and that's what the goal of this is, is to help you go through that process and to get input, not just from me, but from the other participants there. Because it, as, as cliched as it is, it's so true. We can't see the forest for the trees. We, we don't know. We get so used to it that, that we don't know. I, I spoke to a group of chiropractors a while back, and I got a, a note from one of the chiropractors who said that he always parked in the back right, of, of, of his office because he wanted to leave the spots up front, obviously, for his patients, and many of whom are having back trouble. But it also meant he never walked in the front door of his practice for the last you know, thir- three months. And he noticed a couple of weeds growing. Well, that's not an ultimate experience. And so he had a, a you know landscape company come in and kind of fix up the front and all that. And he said, here's the terrifying thing. Every patient mentioned it. And I said, I wrote it back. I said, why is that so terrifying? He said, don't you get it? He's, every patient noticed weeds. Hmm. But I never saw yeah. it. And, yeah. and, you know, and the, the view of the patient could very well be it's the old Jan Carlson thing from SAS. You know, if, if, if the drop down tray is dirty, then they wonder about, well, how are they maintaining the engines? Right. And, and, and so these patients are walking in and he can't maintain the front of his, of his office. How's he going to maintain my, my back? Right. So right. everything. And what kind of, what kind of weeds are growing in uh, on the, counters, you know, yeah. in its own symbolic sense of yes. intrusive stuff. It's, it's, you know, 
Yeah, I don't you feel guilty? I feel guilty some days because we make a living in part observing things that other people are doing, either great or otherwise, right? So uh, your taxi Terry is an example, right? Taxi Terry is the hero, and yet you're the one who gets to write the book about it. I mean, isn't that wrong? <laughs> well, Terry has, has communicated with me several times that the that, that, uh, business rides that he's gotten and, and, and business that he's received, uh, you know, from people that have heard the story or read the book. And, and uh, I, I just see where Nicole mentioned that. I, I truly appreciate it that, that you know, that, that people call him and have him when they go to Jacksonville, Florida, have him pick them up because, uh, you know, because of that. Matter of fact, there was a convention that organized their, their rides with Taxi Terry for the entire small conference so that they could, and then they gave everybody a copy of the book. So I, I, I'm, I'm getting Terry. All right, questions. so you're not feeling guilty about it. And let's talk about Taxi Terry. The point being is that sometimes I often think that the job for people like you and I is capture what's naturally occurring in the environment going right and helping others dissect what was it about that first cap first register that it exists like there is good in the world people yes the news will not let you know that but there's a lot of good service going on there are a lot of people who are successfully differentiating themselves there are a lot of people who are very distinct from the competition and so what are they doing and how are they behaving and what can we learn from it and i think taxi terry is such a classic example of that very thing Thank you. Uh, Taxi Terry, for those that don't know the story, is a, a cab driver in Jacksonville, Florida, that uh, I'm waiting at the airport. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And I get to the front of the taxi line and he jumps out of his cab and says, are you ready for the best cab ride of your life? <laughs> and he, he put a little pressure on himself there. He did, uh, he standard. And he delivered it uh, through, through the extraordinary ride that I had. And, and you know, part of why I use that story and it, and it continues to resonate. I've told it for a long time and it continues to resonate to this day is that, you know, Terry is in a field that it's incredibly difficult to differentiate yourself. And then you bring in the disruptors uh, of Uber and Lyft and, and others that, that all of us talk about. And he's still surviving and thriving in part because he creates an ultimate customer experience that you want to repeat and also because he thinks in terms of solutions rather than transactions. Uh, for example, he, he went to the business I was speaking to and he said, hey, I'm, I'll be your vice president of transportation. You know, you re need rides point to point, got cars for that. Uh, you need group transportation, got vans for that. You need elite transportation for executives or, or customers. I've got a stretch limousine for that. I will be your transportation solution. Well, why would you call Uber? Yeah. Why would you roll the dice? He, he, he just solves the problem. He takes it off the table and then he delivers the experience of a standard that that company is proud to do business with. Well, you know, and again, part of it is, and you and, and my friend, Mark Sanborn, who did it in the Fred factor, right? The similar thing with his postman, Fred, I think it's seeing these people and actually acknowledging their greatness uh, because what we see are these, these CEOs, the Elon Musks of the world, right? They're the ones who we look at, we go, they're innovative. They're doing brand differentiating things. And my gosh, there's no doubt Elon Musk is doing that. I just don't know that too many people have a brain like Elon Musk's right. so that we can, you know, go and replicate that thing. But a and lot a of us can replicate. Yeah. We can do Terry, right? Like we can figure out 
can we make a commitment to our customer and set a high expectation and say, I'm going to execute against this. I'm going to make that promise and then I'm going to deliver. I know you talk a lot about brand promise. So uh, I just threw that out there as a softball. Go ahead and hit it wherever you want, Scott. <laughs> well, and that's part of what I wrote about in the book Iconic was that there's really only two areas in which customers judge us. And that's promise and performance. You know, what, what is the promise that we have made either through our sales process or through our brand promise or whatever? And, and, and what do the customers perceive that promise to be, which is a whole different discussion. But what's the promise that we made? And then how have we delivered on that promise? What is our performance? And, and we see four different areas. We see low promise, low performance, which are the laggards, the ones, you know, the classic example, you know, the Sears and the pennies and, and those, they, they don't promise much, they don't deliver much, and that's why they're in trouble. Uh, we see those that have uh, high promise and low performance. They'll say anything to get the sale, and, and those are the frauds. Uh, we see low promise, high performance, which interestingly enough, you know, we've talked for a long time about uh, uh, under promise over deliver, yet research at the University of San Diego suggests that when we do that consistently, our customers begin to perceive us as manipulative. In other words, we're not overperforming to help them. We're overperforming to make ourselves look good. And over an extended period of time, customers, they, they just want us to do what we said we would do. And then you get high promise and high performance. And that and those are the disruptors. Those are the Ubers and that, that advance the promise as they accelerate the performance. And yeah. that's where yeah. I just love that that one data point that you share because I think there is something to be said of not you know not substantially under delivering. There's something to be said about meeting your promises. It's something to be said to push the envelope. But I think if you do sandbag all the time and you just basically say you know we can do it in this amount of time and we we build in all this extra, well, why couldn't you just do it when you said you were going to do it, right? Uh, yeah. Why can't you keep in touch with me so I know what's happening? I, I think customers are are pretty bright, you know, and we, oh, exactly. we act like we can figure this out with some really cool strategy. All right. I got five minutes. I want to get this done. I got a bunch of stuff. This is kind of my lightning round. Uh, you oh. have no idea what you're getting into. I love this. Oh, uh, I didn't even prep you for this. All right. Here's some, here's some things. I just want short answers, okay. <laughs> which is going to be hard for both of us. <laughs> yeah. Short answers on just some things I throw at you. COVID-19. Proof that we are unprepared. You had it, as did your bride, right? Both of you yeah. experienced COVID-19. We, we both tested positive. Tammy, my wife, was very, very sick. Um, and I was totally asymptomatic. Uh, there were a couple mornings I had a bad headache, but, you know, bourbon might have been involved in that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. That was good enough for the answer. And you, and she's well. She's, she's Thank doing you for asking. Now. Yes, she's yeah. doing, doing okay. really great. All right. Greatest personal or professional accomplishment? Other than being here today. <laughs> Remember that credibility thing you talked about earlier? Just want to want to bring you back. back. Oh gosh. I've I have been blessed beyond what I deserve. Um you know, and and this is one that not a lot of folks relate to, but I know you'll relate to perfectly. It is walking in a bookstore and and seeing your work on the shelf. Uh that's better than an audience response or an award or anything. There's just something about uh, seeing your book on a shelf or being in a bookstore and seeing somebody pick it up and leaf through it and buy it. You know, I mean, uh, I, I got on a plane a while back, uh, obviously before COVID, 
And the guy reaches in his briefcase and opens up, <laughs> he opened up Iconic, my book. He bought it at the airport. And, and I, I said, oh, wow, glad to see you're reading that. Uh, he said, oh. He had no idea. Yeah, exactly. You're, then you're like, uh, how's it going, that book? Uh, is that working for you? It was a speech, you know, or it was a joke that somebody set him up with. And I, I said, man, I'm really glad you read that. This is the difference between Scott and I. Scott goes into a bookstore, sees his book, gets excited. I go to a bookstore, see my book, and then I outface it so more people oh, can see my I book. Didn't do That's that. <laughs> All right, let's uh, – the television show Tomorrow's Champion. Oh, man, what a what – a- Tripping the Wayback Machine there, Mr. Peabody. Uh, Tomorrow's Champions was a boxing show I used to watch as a kid on Wave TV, Channel 3 in Louisville. And there was a young boxer I remember on that show, because I was like five, and and he was, I don't know, 15, 20, uh, named Cassius Clay, who mm. then became Muhammad Ali. Uh, growing up in southern Indiana at that time was, was a pretty amazing thing, because you could watch... Muhammad Ali, then Cassius Clay, as a youngster on Saturday morning TV in, in boxing matches. All right. So uh, here's one for you. What is the correct spelling of McCain? The way you spell it or the way John McCain spelled it? <laughs> I ran into him at, at, at the Admiral's Lounge in at National Airport. It was like five in the morning, right? So I've always, I always wanted to meet him, you know, and I, I walked over. You could tell he didn't want to talk to anybody. I mean, he didn't want to be bothered. And I, and I have a friend who was a POW with him as you, Charlie Plum. And uh, he said to me, well, if you're such good, he didn't say hello, didn't say anything. He looked up and said, well, if he's such good friends, what's his wife's name? <laughs> he said, okay, sit down. So I, so I told so him. So good, good that you knew that yeah, wife's name, because that, that bluff, he called that bluff. But yeah, so before. I told him the story and he said, oh, we're all from the same family. He said, it's an Ellis Island thing. Huh? That when okay. we were immigrating, somebody just put a K instead of a C, but we all have the same same roots. So I, I did not all know right. that at that moment. The next couple are, are going to be kind of tricky passages. Let's all get right. through them and get them quick. So Sherry Sue Stone McCain. Yeah. One of the great people I've ever known. My first wife who passed away from ovarian cancer. And uh, we were married. 2005? Yeah. Well, this is something we share. And it's really one of the weirdest things. I mean, because... Yeah. I remember you telling the story from the stage of kind of what you went through and finding love again. And uh, I think at the time my wife had been diagnosed with breast cancer and I thought, oh, poor Scott, that'll never happen to me. You know, that's a, that's such a tragedy. And then lo and behold, uh, some six years, seven years later, my wife also died of breast cancer, well, died of cancer uh, okay. at age 51 also. We both yeah. had been married about 23 years, yeah. um, just, uh, so grateful for you being willing to be vulnerable about that on the stage in the day. It certainly was helpful to me. Tammy. Tammy uh, McCain. Saved my life. Uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. I, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was broken and uh, financially because uh, I had enormous medical debt. Uh, Sherry, timing is everything, right? Sherry, uh, something happened at work and she thought it was unethical to quit her job on the spot. Uh, you know, I'm self-employed, so we were on her insurance and I'm away giving a speech and I get home and two days later, she's feeling bad and I take her to the hospital and that's when cancer was discovered, which meant it was a pre-existing condition and we couldn't get insurance. Wow. And so it, it was terrible. So- oh, he froze on me. 
Uh, well, I may have frozen on you. I'm not sure, but I, okay. Oh, you're, you're there. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, um, so in, in, in spite of all of that, uh, she, she was my anchor and my rock through that. And they were, they're very, very different personalities. And I'm, I'm grateful for that as well. And all right. I, we Excellent. got, we got all the drama of your life uh, kind of out there. We've, uh, we almost showed your video clip, which, uh, what we showed it, we just didn't hear it. Uh, I'll make sure we get the, the, the link uh, posted so people can see that, uh, on what we'll, we'll I can't wait to see it. I have not we'll seen it. it. Yeah. It was so it's awesome. So it really is. Uh, and I shortened it up so we'd have time, but you, it'll be a little longer. You'll love it. All right. Enough of that. Let me just make sure people know about the event one more time. Um, you know, we've, we gotten to know the guy, uh, behind the books and behind the big boys. Um, and <laughs> I think, I think what we really have experienced is the opportunity to make distinction happen for our brands. The distinction summit comes October 16th and 18th. If they go to that website, uh, they have the ability to learn more about what's going to happen at that summit. They're able to register and enroll. And, uh, I strongly encourage there, you know, I am blessed by incredible colleagues, none better than the man you're looking at right now. Let me make sure that there's no confusion about that whatsoever. The man you're looking at right now, uh, Scott McCain, Distinction Summit coming up October 16th and 18th. Anything you want to say before I say sayonara? Yeah, let me add one quick thing. If you if you do want to go to Distinction Summit because of my friendship with Joe, when you check out, just add the code DISTINCT2020. All right. 2020, it'll save you $100. It'll take $100 off your registration, which means it's under $100 to attend the program on general admission. So let me, so, let me add so that. Stacey, so Stacy, who was from Crothersville, who we had up on yeah. earlier, she's the clerk treasurer. From yes, Club, she uh, is. Yes, and she also sends greetings from Talene Baker and Chad yeah. Wilson. Oh, that's so, so great. Like, I, feel, I just want to let you know, you know, we, we're playing big. <laughs> we're big uh, in Crothersville. Crothersville. That's awesome. They, they, it's, that's, that's home. That's it. All right. Hey, everywhere is home with you, man. Thank you so much. Let's uh, get to that Distinction Summit. Uh, and it was uh, I, I, my short term memory is. Gone. Oh, no. This, the, this, the code again was something 2020. What was yeah, it again? Distinct 2020. All right. Distinct 2020. Yeah. Not like right. the pig distinct. The pig don't distinct. It's a different <laughs> kind of distinction. That's what it's <laughs> distinct. All right. Thanks, Scott McCain. You're the best. He's in the house. Go and join the summit. Take care. Bye now.